The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams The podcast versions of the original Facebook Live readings during the coronavirus outbreak by Matthew Ogden, The Bearded Wit. Please bear in mind that as Facebook Live recordings, these are rough and ready, there are mistakes, there are a few trip-ups here and there, and there is laughter from the reader as he goes through and follows the humour himself along with you, the listener. We hope you enjoy listening to these and share liberally. Part 40 Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to seriously consider becoming a patron of The Bearded Wit by going to patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit. You can support me from as little as $5 a month, which is essentially a cup of coffee, uh, and that will mean that I will be able to continue producing this material and other podcasts that I do, and it would mean the world to me to have you um, know that you're, you've got my back on this. Uh, I love producing this material for people, and it's been a huge pleasure for me to do this, uh, which basically started as a project for family and friends right back at the beginning of March last year uh, when the um, COVID-19 virus was really beginning to kick in. It was a way of basically connecting friends and family all over the world who were finding it a bit difficult as we all did and it's grown into something where I've got a lot of people listening all over the world. It would mean the world to me if you could take the time just to pop over to uh, patreon.com forward slash the bearded wit sign up from as little as five dollars a month as I say uh it's a cup of coffee. It would mean the world to me because the more of you guys, you fabulous people out there that do it, the more I'm able to do more of this stuff for you on an ongoing basis. No obligation, but if you can, I would be so deeply grateful. Also, if you could take a moment to pop over to Facebook and uh, give The Bearded Wit a like and follow, uh, and also go over to my new YouTube channel as well, um, just search for The Bearded Wit, uh, and subscribe. Uh, I'll be putting all of the live readings slightly edited um, and cleaned up a bit uh, onto that uh, over the coming weeks. Um, But yeah, join up, uh, get involved, like, share, follow, subscribe, do all the usual social media things. Okay, on with the reading. Thanks very much, everyone. Part 42. Right. Okay, so, quick recap. Um, We are in the final book, as I say, um, and another thing. Um, We are following the, I suppose, misadventures is probably a more accurate expression, uh, of of the crew of of the Tanglishnir. Uh, which we found out used to be Thor's vessel, unsurprisingly, with a name like Tangrishnir, but which was kind of, uh, I don't know, it was uh, co-opted, I suppose, by Wow Bagger the Infinitely Prolonged, who is the alien that's going around the the, uh, the galaxy or the universe, uh, insulting every, or has been up to now, insulting every single uh, living creature uh, in alphabetical order. Uh He's got a bit bored by that because he's been doing it for longer than the existence has actually existed, probably several times over, a bit like Marvin in the end. And so he's found out after a conversation with Zaphod when he was saving them from everyone, the whole gang, from imminent destruction by the Grebulon death rays, that actually Zaphod might be able to affect his death. 
um, because it's going to take someone pretty significant to off Wellbagger, who is immortal. Uh, so Zaphod is off in uh, Asgard, trying to sort that out. He's negotiated his way past Heimdall by working out what Heimdall's secret name is, or his, his sort of uh, pet name. And once you know that and you use it, you then can compel a god to do your will which is duly done, which has let him into Asgard. Meanwhile, everyone else has been on the Tanakrishnir, trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Uh, random, Trillian and Arthur's uh, biological daughter is basically having a fit about everything, uh, which is fair enough. I mean, with parents like that, who wouldn't? Um, meanwhile, Trillian and Wowbagger have been getting it on. Boom, chicka, wow, wow. Uh, and Ford has just been, well, trying to obliterate his brain via various means and that's where we are so a slurp of brownian motion and we'll crack on i do love tea it's grand right here we go so are you ready are you sitting comfortably then i'll begin oh by the way <laughs> God, I'm useless at this. I'm not sitting in my own seat because I was listening to one of the recordings back the other day. Oh, and I've also started using my proper mount for my microphone because I realised listening back to some of the other stuff that it's clunking and cranking and you could hear the squeaking from my own seat. So <clears throat> I thought I'd better get a bit more professional about it again. So sorry if for like the last three broadcasts it's all been a bit amateur. There you go. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the book. <clears throat> Asgard Guide note The Aesir have always made an enormous deal out of the absolute wonderfulness of Asgard Odin's son Baldur is quoted as saying Everything is massive and huge and brilliant you mortals with your puny stuff and things have no idea what real brilliant stuff is. We have stuff that will blow your little minds, and then other stuff in jars, sort of lotion, that will put your minds back together again. And then there's this cosmic cow who, like, uh, licked Valhalla out of the ice, and an old guy who uh, sweated Odin's father out of his armpit. That kind of stuff happens every day on Asgard. This is typical of the sort of standard, vague, inconsistent party line that prompted Boom Kathasi, the charismatic leader of the Horisonian cult of agnosticism, to smuggle himself into Asgard in the belly of a goat, to see the planet for himself. The oft-sampled Cathasi recordings read as follows. The smell from beyond my hiding place is almost unbearable, but I shall persevere for you, my people. I am not surprised that no one believes in these gods any more. They really stink. I can hear a fire crackling, so whatever lies outside, I must take my knife and cut my way out before this carcass is tossed into the oven. I shall just take out my knife. My knife. Where's my nothing damned knife? I know I had it. Right here in the pocket of my linen truce. Oh, crap. Zark, I'm wearing my corduroys. Ooh, 
The flames grow closer. I can feel their heat. Help! Help! I believe! I believe! Don't eat me! Please don't! And there, Bohm Catharsis' words become unintelligible. Apart from two, my legs, and a mummy. For ten years after Bohm's sacrifice, belief in the Aesir spiked on his home planet, and the top-selling T-shirt had emblazoned across it in large, easy-to-read letters, I believe, don't eat me. The point B. Mortals knew little of Asgard back in the days of Bohm Catharsi, and we know even less now, for no living mortal has ever visited Asgard and survived to tell the tale. And any mortal who claims to have done that is either Odin in disguise looking for some action, or completely and utterly insane. Zaphod Beeblebrox took a very plush cable car from the foot of the Rainbow Bridge to the surface of Asgard. Not only was the car comfortable, with its own helmet polisher and thoughtful cage of foot-warming lizards, but it was convenient, too, docking as it did right in the centre of downtown Valhalla. There was a customs Viking in a reinforced booth who seemed a little surprised to see a mortal coming onto the platform. In fact, he was so surprised that his eyes popped right out of their sockets. Whoa, said Zaphod. That is truly disgusting. Can you do it again? No, I cannot, said the Viking, twisting the eyes back in. Who the hell are you? Zaphod responded in the time-honoured fashion of answering a question with a question, a tactic he favoured because of its wind-up factor. What the hell are you? I'll ask the questions here. What questions will you ask here? The Viking rolled his eyes with a sound like a toothless old person sucking hot tea from a cup. Are you winding me up? Is who winding you up? The Viking jumped to his feet. Fine, I am a reanimated dead Viking, okay? We die in battle to get here, and then they reanimate us as bloody civil servants. I was the captain of my own bloody longboat. We tore up England, kicked the stuffing out of those Saxons, and for that, I get a desk job. A shagging desk job, if you can believe that. Me, Eric the Red Hand, red because of all the blood that was dripping from it, you understand. And not my own blood either. Eric stopped shouting, mainly because his eyes had wormed their way loose again. Wow, said Zaphod. You've really been carrying that around. It's been festering for a while, admitted the Viking, wiping one eye with his sleeve. Do you feel better now? Eric sighed. <sighs> yes, it's good to vent, you know. Zaphod patted his shoulder. You need to look after your mental health, buddy. Thanks. That's, that's the first nice thing anyone said to me since I signed on for that big pillaging expedition in Brittany. I'd shed a tear if I could. You're welcome. 
Zaphod Beeblebrox likes to spread joy to places other presidents cannot reach. Eric held a clipboard close to his face. Oh, yes, Beeblebrox. I got a call about you from Jaime Skyboy. Of course, no mention that you were a mortal. Why? Why spare Eric's heart? He's already dead. Typical. Oops. Are we all still there? Sorry, folks. Just seen a bit of a crash happen. Yes, seems to be there. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Eric held a clipboard close to his face. Oh, yes. Beeblebrox. I got a call about you from Jaime Skyboy. Of course, no mention that you were immortal. Why spare Eric's heart? He's already dead. Typical. I'm uh, looking for Thor. Eric tutted. No problem finding him. Well, I've heard. Go straight down to Udresil, the giant ash tree, and then left. Don't give any money to the unicorns. It just encourages them. And if you see a guy with, like, a hook nose, answers to the name of life, tell him that I think we've got our eyeballs mixed up. Even Zaphod had no trouble finding the golden tree, though he was distracted by the hordes of zombie-like reanimated Vikings shuffling along the cobbled streets, clutching dry cleaning in their bony hands or trailing listlessly after tiny dogs. This is ridiculous, he said eventually. They all have hooked noses. The tree itself was massive, its glistening branches dipping low to the ground, weighed down by the swords and shields of fallen heroes, and also advertising placards for Zuga Nugget cereal, which, according to the billboards, sponsored the transportation by the Valkyrie of fallen heroes from their mortal plane. Zaphod abandoned his mini-quest to find the guy known as Life, and turned down a pretty crappy-looking alley-alley that had crap flowing down the walls that was actually crap. And because it was a magical realm, there was crap flowing up the walls, too. Crap, said Zaphod, and congratulated himself on making a statement that was not only an expletive, but also a declaration of fact, and a warning to anyone who might be behind him in the alley. You talking to me, Blondie, said a voice. And Zaphod realised that what he had taken for a stalagmite of sewage was actually a stained root from Udrasil, the ash tree, breaking through from the cobbles below. Pardon me, said Zaphod, only feeling slightly ridiculous to be talking to a tree. He had talked to a lot worse things in the past few years. I thought you were part of the uh, sewage system. I might as well be, said Udrasil through no mouth that Zaphod could discern. The amount, of junk, bleh, the amount of junk they pour straight onto the ground here, it all comes through my roots, you know. Is it any wonder I'm slipping a few IQ points? You are what you eat and all that. Uh, I'm looking for Thor. Big Red, straight through the door here. 
Zaford squinted through the gloom, but the door was proving as difficult to spot as Udrasil's mouth. I don't see any door. You don't. You have to say the magic words. Zaford rubbed his temples and concentrated. Okay, don't tell me. I feel something coming out of the ether. Is it... Trees are fruity. Flattery will get you everywhere, said the tree, and parted a cluster of creepers on the damp wall, revealing a nicotine yellow glow behind. In you go, Blondie. Zaphod stepped inside. He didn't need to bend down, as the doorway behind the creepers had been built for a much larger person. Nano Hillman Hunter gazed out of his office window at the tropical majesty of this planet he had purchased at the nebula's edge. "'You did the right thing, Hillers,' said his nano voice in his head. "'If you hadn't shifted these people from Earth, their atoms would be spread across the galaxy by now.' What do you think people would prefer, a little civil unrest or a whole lot of dead? Hillman knew that his nano was right, but he couldn't help thinking that somewhere along the line he had been screwed. There had been a better deal to be had, and somehow Zaphod Beeblebrox had kept it hidden from him, and it pained Hillman to think that he had been bamboozled by such an apparent moron. The intercom box on his desk vibrated, dragging Hillman's attention away from the view. He waved his hand over the sensor, and a little hologram of his secretary appeared on his desk. Yes, Marilyn? There's a lady here to see you. Does she have an appointment? Marilyn mewed, as though this was a difficult question. She says she will have. That's a little cryptic, Marilyn. Could you ask for clarification? Before Marilyn could respond, a woman appeared in Hillman's interview chair. From his recent interview, Hillman had become accustomed to a flickering style of materialisation, but this one arrived like somebody had flicked a switch. Jesus! he yelped. Actually, no. The name is Gaia, Hillman Hunter, she said, her voice sonorous and comforting. Ah, yes, Gaia, the Earth Mother. Hillman sifted through the stack of resumes on his desk. I wasn't planning on interviewing female gods. Gaia trained her big, deep brown eyes on Hillman. No... But you would have made an exception for me. So I decided to hurry things along. The combination of eyes and voice was hypnotic, and Hillman found himself very comfortable with this attractive lady. That was probably... that was a reasonable course of action. Gaia's face was heart-shaped, with sensuous purple lips. 
You've got time to talk to me, don't you, Hillman? Ah, yes, Jesus, yes, Begora. Oh, that's right, he was Irish, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, that's what happens when you leave great gaps between doing your readings, Matthew. Sorry, folks. I am the Earth Mother. Without an Earth. Come to a new home. I could be happy here, Hillman, and you could be happy too. Yes, Earth Mother. Happy as a pig in... Yeah, very happy. There's no need for any more interviews. No, why would I need to interview anyone else? Gaia smiled and leaned forward. Hillman saw that her fingers were slim but strong. I can nurture this earth. I can make anything grow. That's grand. Growing stuff is a good thing. The Earth Mother spread her arms, and Hillman could smell the summers of his youth. The women will be broad-breasted and fertile, and the men will desire them. About feckin' time, too. All we need is to clear up a few... Salary issues, which was exactly the wrong thing to say to Hillman Hunter. The fog in his mind cleared, and he suddenly felt the need to ask a few probing questions. Salary issues, and what issues would they be? Well, the entire package is pitifully small. How can I be expected to support a retinue? A retinue, is it? I don't recall advertising for a retinue. Only one position. But surely, a goddess of my stature? Hillman was in like a shark. What stature is that? You were no great shakes in your last job. As far as I remember, the planet was plagued with famine and most of the crops that did grow were riddled with pesticides. Things got a little out of control on Earth, admitted Gaia. But that wouldn't happen again. Oh, really? Why don't we explore that? Let's say there's an uprising, a surge in belief for another god. How would you handle it? Gaia smiled kindly. I have dealt with problems in the past, you know. I can be tough when the situation demands it. Please elaborate. I remember once Uranus hid the Cyclops in Tartarus so he couldn't see the light. This caused me considerable pain, as... You may not know this about me, as Tartarus was my bowels in a reflexology kind of way. So, I fashioned a great flint sickle, and when Uranus entered my chamber for his weekly How's Your Father, I had my son Kronos chop his doodle off with the sickle. Gaia clapped delightedly at the memory. 
Oh, that was a night and a half. Um, but I think I've answered your question. Firm but fair. That's my motto. I still have that sickle somewhere. You never know when a few drops of dry divine blood will come in handy. Hillman crossed his legs, feeling a phantom loss that he fervently hoped never to experience. Beside Gaia's name on her resume, resume, he wrote four words. Over my dead body. Asgard. Zaphod stepped into as foul a den of broken dreams as he'd ever been thrown out of, and felt instantly at home. This is my kind of place, he thought. Even the air in here is dangerous. And it was. The germs huddled together and drifted through the murky air in coloured clouds, trying vainly to infect the ossified zombies and demigods. For once, Zaphod was glad that Left Brain had jabbed him with A to Z inoculations whilst he left. At least LB had sworn they were inoculations. A cloud buzzed Zaphod's head, chanting, Open pores, open sores! But it was repelled by the scent of antivirus in his perspiration. If this had been a movie, everyone would have stopped what they were doing to glare at the handsome stranger. But most of the patrons in the Well of Erd were so inebriated that they had barely enough focus to find the tankards on their tables, never mind muster a glare for a newcomer. One drinker did yell, Happy birthday, Mr. President! But it was likely that she was hallucinating. Zaphod clambered down three stone steps to the tavern floor, then sidestepped viscous steaming puddles until he reached the bar, which towered cliff-like above him. A pale, reanimated Viking barman with half a dozen blonde hairs pasted across his shiny pate peered down at him. "'What can I do for you, Junior?' Uh, you can tell me where uh, Thor is, replied Zaphod. The barman whistled through a hole in his cheek. Now, why would you want to find Thor? You being so alive and all. Ah, he's in a bad mood then. You could say that, said the barman. All he does is drink and play chess, and the more he loses, the more he drinks. Doesn't he ever win? The barman sniggered. Win? Nobody wins in here, Junior. Zaphod peered up at the Viking. Your name wouldn't be Life, would it? The barman was instantly enraged. He pulled a mini-axe from a shoulder holster and began chopping the countertop. You tell Eric to come down here if he wants to talk about eyeballs. You tell him that from me. Come down here and we'll talk. I'll uh, tell him, said Zaphod, backing away. If I survive this chat with Thor. Not Thor you should worry about, said the barman, jerking a thumb towards a dark alcove at the rear of the bar. 
It's those other little bastards. Zaphod winked with supreme confidence. Don't worry. I've been in show business for years. I know how to handle bastards. The bar was cramped by Asgardian standards, but to Zaphod it felt like he'd lost weight just walking briskly to Thor's table. On the way he passed several brawls, a couple of magical rituals, one involving a heated skewer and a circle of wolves howling in unison, a funeral pyre piled high with bodies and also sausages, and a frozen lake with dwarves skating around on it being chased by a tree-footed monster. I could live here, thought Zaphod. The fun and games stopped shy of Thor's alcove. There seemed to be an unwritten agreement that the Thunder God should be left in peace, which was probably due to the very clearly message painted on a whitewashed wall in what looked like lumpy congealed blood, which read, Leave me in peace and I probably won't kill you. No promises mind. Probably is absolutely the best I can do. Zaphod crossed the peace line and, for the first time since entering the bar, he felt scores of eyes on him. Don't fret, Zaphod, he told himself. What happened between you was ages ago. He's probably forgotten all about it by now. I can barely remember it myself. Something to do with an interplanetary incident involving an umbrella with mythical powers and the secret formula for a prize-winning ice cream, Zaphod frowned. No, the uh, umbrella's ice cream cock-up was a completely different guard. Zaphod could see his one-time friend now, sitting at a round table with his back to the crowd. And what a back it was. Broader than the average glacier, with knots of muscle the size of boulders and huge ridges of tension in the shoulders. His red hair hung down in a shabby ponytail, and the horns of his helmet were stained yellow by long nights spent in this foul air. Zaphod was thinking he might open with a little joke, when the silence was filled with a sudden uproar of sharp, helium-squeaky voices. What? That's it? That's the big move? How many years have we been doing this? You haven't learned a thing! Zaphod stepped quietly into the alcove, sneaking a peek under the crook of Thor's elbow. The Thunder God was being harangued by a set of golden chessmen on the opposite side of the board. His own pieces were wooden and seemed cowed into silence. The little golden knight was very belligerent. Come on, Thor, we've talked about this. Never leave your king exposed. That's fundamental stuff, bloody kindergarten. Watch it! Thor rumbled, and the sound sent shivers running along Zaphod's spine. That voice, like a sleepy tiger growling from the bottom of a well. No wonder the ladies couldn't get enough. Oh, what? challenged the knight. 
We are the ancient chess set of the Aesir. You can't kill us. We're as immortal as you are. And a lot older, I might add. I can melt you cheeky blighters down and make myself a little piss pot. How would you like that? The knight laughed. You can threaten us all you want, Thunder Girl. It's still bloody checkmate. Thor drummed the table with his fingers. You chaps set yourselves up again. I have a little unfinished business to take care of. And in a fluid motion, he spun around on his stool and sent the very large war hammer that had been resting across his thighs spinning towards Zaphod's head. The hammer froze half an inch from Zaphod's nose and then backed him into a corner like a hound herding a sheep. Nice uh, hammer action, squeaked Zaphod. I didn't know you were going to kill me. Thor turned his back. Get out of here, Zaphod, before I let Mjolnir do what it's wanted to do since that first accursed day we met. Zaphod tried to move forward, but the hammer butted him back against the wall. Come on, old friend, I've come a long way to talk to you. Thor grunted. Do you even know why you're here? Do you even remember? Oh, uh, not precisely, said Zaphod. But in fairness, there is a gigantic hammer hovering in front of my face. And you know how much people love my face, so I'm a little distracted. Thor's shoulders slumped, and he sighed. People used to love my face. I was adored until you came along. You can be adored again. That's why I'm here. I remember now. Go away, Zaphod. Take your life and get out of mine. The only reason I'm not killing you is that you can't fill the hole inside with bodies. That's something I learned in circle time. He clicked his fingers, and Mjolnir sprang into his fist. Now leave, Beeblebrox. I need to call my anger management sponsor. You can talk to us, buddy, said a golden rook. Thor rubbed his shining head. I know that. I know I will always have you guys. Should we kill the mortal? asked a pawn. Rookie can crawl down his throat and choke him. No, he's not worth it. But I do appreciate the offer. Since Zaphod did not possess any better judgment, he didn't even hesitate for the half second it might have taken to ignore it. He climbed first onto a footrest, then a chair, then up the rungs of a wooden backrest, until finally he was standing on Thor's table. The God of Thunder sat hunched over his beer like someone was going to steal it. His eyes were downcast, and his face was clumpy with emotion. There was a storm brewing, 
And in Thor's case, this was not just a figure of speech. There was an actual miniature thundercloud boiling above his head, lightning bolts poking their heads from the vapour like lizards' tongues. Nice place, said Zaphod, perching on an ashtray. It could do with a few big screens, maybe a jacuzzi. Sometimes I like bubbles with my beer. Thor picked up his own beer and slammed it onto the table so hard the head foamed over the rim. Knock yourself out, he said. Bubbles and beer. Zaphod took this suggestion as he did most suggestions at face value, and quickly stripped down to his underwear, remembering just in time to pop out the batteries before vaulting into the tankard. He submerged himself into the larynx lump and felt spent several moments executing, executing a three-armed backstroke while spouting amber spumes. I like this place, bubbled Zaphod. It has nice, uh, what do you call it? Toilets? No, 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 the other thing. Ambience. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Thor growled and the cloud over his head churned with electricity. This is the well of Erd, Zaphod, where demigods and bottom feeders hang out. I come here so no one will bother me. Bottom feeders? said a golden bishop at Zaphod's eye levels. That's a bit strong. You want to keep your temper in check, mate. Ha! Zaphod's attention was diverted by the flash of dozens of tanned-toned legs and hundreds of white teeth. Uh, look, I do believe that these athletic ladies are waving at us. Thor peered surreptitiously across the barroom through his fingers. A group of statuesque Valkyrie were washing blood off their Zuganugget chest plates in slow motion with barrels of water. Forget it, Zaphod, they're out of your reach. Zaphod clambered from the tankard. Out of my reach? What are you talking about? I'm talking about practicalities. Look at those girls. You couldn't reach past their shin plates with a trampoline. Come to think of it, they're out of my reach too. Zaphod shook himself like a hound. Come on! This is not the Thunder God that I know. I remember when my friend Thor disappeared for a week with a certain Miss Eccentrica Columbitz, and she ended up paying him! Leave it, Zaphod. Zaphod quick-stepped into his trousers. This is just what you need, old pal. Me and you on a bender with a few beautiful ladies. I am going over there. No? Oh, yes. I may be tiny, but I've got a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. A certain what? I don't know what, admitted Zaphod. But that's never stopped me before. Zaphod had a glint in his eyes that Thor knew well. Guide note. This glint was nothing to do with baby glunts, 
Rather, it was a look of reckless romanticism, which is similar to the one often found in the eyes of the Narcissi fish of Flagathon, who are prepared to inflate themselves far beyond the elastic tolerance of their scales in pursuit of a mate. The male Narcissi fish will cause himself to spectacularly explode if that's what it takes to impress the female. This is indeed an impressive feat. And in fairness to the female, she will appreciate the sacrifice and often be put out for several days before donning her best pearl necklace and heading back down to the reef. Related reading, Love Will Tear Me Apart by Scaly Finster, brackets R.I.P. Get back here, Zaphod, I'm warning you! Zaphod strode across the table, skirting a spittoon. This is what you need, Thor. You'll thank me later. He turned his high beams on the Valkyrie. Hello, ladies. You may not know me yet, but you're going to miss me tomorrow. The Valkyries, puzzled semi-smiles, were distorted suddenly by a curved wall of glass. Zaphod thought for a moment that a sudden rush of Valkyrie lust had superheated the air, but then realised that Thor had trapped him under a shot glass, which brought home quite forcefully just how tiny he actually was in this world. In fact, he seemed to be whatever size Thor felt like it making him. Zaphod was sure he would not have fitted under the glass, a mere few mere moments ago. Come on, Thor, he cried, his voice bouncing back on him. Strange, thought Zaphod. The acoustics in here make me sound whiny. You're supposed to be my wingman, he went on. We're a team. Remember those anti-grav dancers in Handal City? Thor dragged the glass towards him, skirting dangerously close to a complaining rook, and Zaphod was forced to dance along the table just to keep up. I've never been to Handold. Really? I, I could have sworn. Must have been some other Asgardian. I'm flashing on a red beard. Are you sure he wasn't you? I'm sure, Zaphod. I'm a god. We don't forget stuff. Which is part of the problem. Thor lifted the glass, and as it went up, Zaphod fancied he felt himself grow until he felt more like Thor's equal and less like his pet. Problem? What problem? Thor thumped the table, sending beer slopping across the planks. What problem? What zarking problem, Zaph? Are you serious? Are you actually asking me that? Zaphod frowned. That was a lot of questions. What problem? What zarking problem? Uh, what was the third one again? Oh, there's no point said Thor, swilling down enough beer to drown a herd of mammaloids. Zaphod Beeblebrox couldn't give two buffer biscuits about anyone but himself. This notion genuinely shocked Zaphod, 
as he believed that the act of sharing his personality with certain people was an act of love in itself. That is a terrible thing to say. I was your closest friend for years. Until you persuaded me to post that video on the subother, said Thor bitterly. Over his head, the robust little thundercloud turned flaccid, releasing a light drizzle. It didn't take a brainologist to work out the symbolism. Zaphod found that he was now only a head shorter than the god. He plonked himself on a neighbouring stool and thought that he might offer a little joke to lighten the mood. Mm, I can never pass a nice stool, he said, drumming the table. Boom, boom! Thor patted Mjolnir's head. One more, Zaphod. One more. Can't we forget that video? It's in the past. Oh, let me tell you something about the past. That's where it is, in the past. Remember that sentence about the past? That's in the past already. I can barely recall it, except that it contained the phrase, the past. The past is made up of memories, which are made up of dead stuff that can't hurt you like, say, a pointy stick could. Atoms and such. Quarks, too, I, I shouldn't wonder. But wasted ones, all lying there, doing nothing to anyone. Do you have a point, Zaphod? Or is that in the past too? Zaphod draped an arm around Thor's massive shoulders. My point is that maybe I made a bad call with the video at the time. But ticket sales were down and we needed something to get your profile back up to the Yale list. The candid video thing was all the rage. And in fairness, some people did like it. Some people, growled Thor, like that cult on the party ship. Those weirdos certainly lapped it up. Unfortunately, the rest of the galaxy, the normal mortals, didn't fancy the idea of their god trussed up like a backstreet deviant. Zaphod shrugged. There was... Some backlash, I admit it. Thor massaged his temples. Backlash! Back! I know how shallow you are, Zephod, but surely even you must have noticed the fallout. My dad blew up that entire planet where we filmed! My beautiful temples were all torn down. I went from number four favorite deity to number 68 behind Skyoi. Skyoi, the god of zarking snowshoes. Hey, snowshoes are important. Come on, old friend. Can't you just blot the whole thing from your mind? I have. Thor dragged eight fingers through his beard. But that costume, Zaph, and those pom-pom squids. Zaph, thought Zaphod. I have him. Miscalculations, perhaps. And the things I said, said Thor, shuddering. You were acting, 
playing a role. Odin shat a kitten. He actually crapped out a live tiger club cub. My own mother can't look at me. She told Loki that all she can see is that latex bustier. It was art. Not everybody gets art. Do you know how many hits that clip has had? It's been the number one video on the entire sub-ether for the last five years. You said it. The past five years. That video is in the past. Next year, there's going to be a new Thor video. One that puts you right back in the game where you need to be. Oh, really? said Thor glumly. What have you got planned for an encore? Should I break out the bounce jelly Zaphod leaned in close. Oh no, my friend. No setups. This is the real thing. An old-school face-off. I have found the immortal who has stolen your ship. And he's challenged you to a showdown. Over Thor's head, the thundercloud spewed forth a cluster of vibrant lightning bolts. Go on, Zaif, said the god. I'm listening. And that's where we'll leave it. It is ten to nine in Central Europe. The perfect moment to call a halt on tonight's reading. Thank you so much. I completely forgot. Of course, this is the forty-second episode. Forty. That is clearly auspicious. If you have been with it all the way to this point. You have listened to 42 episodes of this stuff, and that is enormously brilliant that you've been with me all this way. Um, thank you so much for this evening, as always. Uh, I will be... I, I know I keep saying this, and I'm trying to get this into a regular cadence. Uh, I won't be doing it next Tuesday, but next Monday, perhaps, um, we will have a reading. Um, and then things are going to get a bit squirrely over Christmas, but maybe I can get one in uh on the 22nd because i was going to be going back to the uk but i can't now for various reasons relating to uh things covid um so i will be uh reading um i think at least a couple more times before christmas certainly one time next week but i will set up a, a live event um, um and uh, and publish it so you guys can stay up to speed as I always say, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate all the support. Um, and uh, please do go to www.patreon.com forward slash thebeardedwit and sign up uh, to be a patron and follow me. Uh, and uh, do please do follow me where I mean, we've got the Facebook group with the Facebook page. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. Uh, and also a YouTube channel now as well. Um, if you search for The Bearded Wit, uh, there's a YouTube channel where all these readings are being posted. So do sort of follow and support all of that stuff. It will help me tremendously. 
Thank you so much for this evening. Um, see you soon. Uh, and I will let you know when that is. Um, look after yourselves. Stay hoopy. Be fruity. And see you soon, everyone. Bye now.